everyone and welcome back to So Little Time. We are getting close to the 2020 exams. You can feel the tension in the air. Perfect time to talk about political tension. This episode we are talking Pride, the 2014 movie directed by Matthew Warchus. War Cuss. I am Malala, written by Malala. Both are incredible real-life stories of activism, the power it has, and the sacrifices it takes to ignite real change. If you like what you hear today, please rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us hack the algorithm to reach more people. But, Hannah, I heard you can do a killer Welsh accent. (laughs) Is that correct? Oh, I think maybe I can. Maybe! Maybe I can. (laughs) Don't really know. I feel, like, I feel like I'm coming across more Scottish than Oh, you know, I don't particularly right know the difference, but I think I can do like a bit of a, like a general Irish. So. Yeah, you're coming across pretty Irish. Thanks, no. that's what I was going but, for. You know, um, Mark in Pride is an Irishman. Well, we're doing Mark from So Pride. we're doing Mark. Uh, yeah, because we love Mark from pride he's too good he's too good too good i love him so much (laughs) (laughs) okay um oh surely i do the synopsis for pride (laughs) in this accent i think you should i think you should go go all right Pride follows the unlikely story of an activist partnership between the UK's gay and lesbian community and the striking minors of wales during margaret thatcher's austerity period in the 80s It shows how tolerance, unity, and kindness can help us overcome prejudice and features many truly excellent leather jackets, parent hairstyles, and 80s banger tunes. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Banger tunes! (laughs) Okay, I can't keep that up for much longer. I'm back to Australian now. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I Am Malala is the autobiography slash memoir of Malala Yousafzai the world's youngest Nobel Peace Prize winner, crowned for her work promoting mostly girls' education. Malala's story perhaps first became truly famous when she was shot in the head by the Taliban at the age of 15 for speaking out against their occupation of her valley. However, this book goes way beyond that, detailing her childhood, her dreams, and her insights into the world that she's campaigning to reform. She's a queen. She is a queen. I love her. And in honor of her, our bevies today are, well, Pakistani tea. But we've made it Welsh with some whiskey. <laughs> we, but we, if for a true, like, what's it called? Um, accuracy. That would be like the blend of both, I think. Mm. But Pakistani tea is black tea or masala chai, if you've got it, um, with milk, lots of sugar, some cardamom, cardamom mm. and mm. cinnamon. Yeah, that's a lot of like, ooh, yes, cinnamon. Um, with jiggy whiskey at the end and it's like really good (laughs) okay so on to well more hard stuff um resistance to the status quo what do you think hannah um okay so i think yeah resistance to the status quo is sort of the biggest uniting theme or you know idea between these two texts um yeah and i think it's sort of very much about how the power of one voice or one motivated person can really have power um, against the ideas of the masses. Um, And both texts show both how one voice can start meaningful change and also how one person can spearhead an entire mass movement. You know, there's that um, key quote from Malala, one teacher, one student, one pen and one book can change the world. Um, 
which yeah. I love so much because it, it really shows, you know, the power of one. Yeah. 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 And then there's almost a contrast there in Dai, um, the Welsh miner who speaks at, speak, is it a club or a night, night club bar yeah. um, that, you know, saying that he, he's in support and he's just really grateful. And, you know, that first act was really what, you know, although we've got Mark as well, those, you know, what those individuals were what started it which is the same thing in a way a little bit differently i think nuance is important but um yeah looking at that power of one person which is so cool i also think it's really interesting how like the beginning of pride um you know this entire movement to um helping the miners began with just mark and his idea to collect money in buckets at a march um and then it you know, grew into this huge thing that um, affected mining towns all the way across Wales and involved the entire LGBT community. So it's really, you know, shows that one person can have a massive impact. Now, I think, I think Hannah, you've picked up on something really great there that, you know, Pride is about resisting large-scale persecution and discrimination regardless of what it's for. Um, it doesn't matter that gay people and minors are being hurt for different reasons. Um, they're both kind of still victims of that. Margaret Thatcher, the press, the, the they have the same enemies, which is something that unites them. And I think um, that's almost a bit of, a bit different from Malala. I don't know. What do you think? Because yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, like I guess Malala, her cause is a little bit more specific. So it's sort of about sexism and the barriers facing girls in her community. Um, however, you know, both her and her father also still campaigned for peace and freedom indiscriminately. Um, so it just sort of goes to show that, you know, these sorts of issues, are they affect everyone and they're quite universal. So, yeah. And Malala partnered then with sort of the, it's the BBC that she worked with and sort of some, um, she ended up, you know, moving over to the UK and that sort of stuff. And I don't think that was about potential, that wasn't, definitely wasn't about having a common common enemy, but perhaps instead having common values of girls' education and seeing women um, overcome challenges so I think that we could talk about that in sort of a um, that they're juxtaposed from both texts that on one hand you can unite with people because of common values and because of people you hate um, yeah. <laughs> and in some ways they are sort of one and the same thing because the people you hate are ultimately the people who don't share your values or oppose your values yeah and then sort of that resistance to the status quo and to that idea of kind of activism and what's at its core does take so much sacrifice in these texts because I don't know it just it just it seems to shine out like you know there's power but look at what these people what happened to their lives because of you know what they did for us to have a better world and it's you know even if you're fighting for your rights you can still be devastated by the effects of being in a minority group like you know the AIDS um epidemic yeah AIDS um I'm so used to calling things pandemics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Malala's shot, but so many other girls were too. So many other people were victims of that kind of violence. But, of course, we see that as quite individual because we're following her story rather than the story of millions. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like fighting for something doesn't automatically ensure that you know, you're immune. No one is immune. And, you know, she risked so much to fight for what she believed in. So, yeah. Yeah. 
and Mark dies. <laughs> oh, no, no. If nobody, if no, if you weren't crying at that last scene where he was like marching and then it comes up on the screen and you're like, oh. I know. And he was 26, like, no, 26, like Very young. Like, what could he have done with his life if he'd had more time? Yeah, we would have. It's it's incredible because you know achieving so much in such a small amount of time, and yeah, what a legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting. I don't know how much this is just a different thing from Malala. That you know the the almost the direct link from their action is that homophobia, that aggression towards them in the community, the um, and the difficulties they difficulties they face directly. And mm. from Malala, you see that the direct result of her activism is she's shot by the Taliban. So you get these two things. But then in Pride, we also have AIDS coming in as a bit of a, as a, it's not a direct consequence of their activism. It's almost, it's not a consequence, but it's a effect or a um, aspect of life in terms of being part of the minority minority group. So I think it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, even though it's not a direct consequence of his activism, it's still something that disproportionately affects the people that he's campaigning for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I suppose it's not the fault of the, like, the aggressor. It's not his, the people that dislike him that are like, you know, it's different to being shot or being beaten up because it's not people that are perpetrating the hatred that are causing it it's actually just something that is devastating but was just indiscriminate so yeah I think it's it does highlight sacrifice but I think it highlights it in a different way in terms of still being subject to what the minority you're within has to deal with rather than a consequence of action yeah absolutely and I think it really sort of it goes to show I mean not necessarily AIDS but you know the the added homophobia and the discrimination that came alongside that goes to show like the injustice um, of that time period, really. Like, I think it's very easy for us here in the 21st century where, you know, LGBTQI plus rights have reformed so much to just assume that this is just going to be a feel good movie and it's all good because we live now and things are a lot better. But you know, it really goes to show sort of that visceral reality um, that the characters in the film faced and that real people did face back then yeah. thousands of years before then. I know. it's it's And it's crazy because it's not even that long ago. Like, you know, the it was 80, 1984. Like, that's, you know, our parents were alive. 20 mm. years before we were alive. It's not even, like, it feels like it's 100 years old, some of the other. I don't know, like to a slightly lesser extent, I think. But I think Malala, like the consequence of her being shot by the Taliban was also quite surprising, especially mm. for her, because she went through her entire life being like, well, you know, the Taliban suck, but they don't kill children. You know, they haven't stooped that low. Yeah. And then they do. So. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely think, a point of comparison. Mm, and I think what's highlighted in the book is that, you know, she doesn't, she has a long road of recovery and physically being able to sort of walk again and, you know, talk again. And then the consequences of AIDS and of the, the things that people in the LGBTQI community face as well are ongoing. So I think you can also talk about sacrifice in a way that, you know, it's 
it's something that doesn't just stop or it's not a one-time incident but it's something that people deal with for most of their lives and Malala will always have that trauma and you know being being an outcast in the community is also always going to traumatize you so Mm. I think there's layers of it and it's it's something that it really becomes really a wound for people literally in Malala's case yeah yeah Absolutely. Sorry, that sounded like such a joke. Like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and on that note, do we want to talk a little bit about the value of persistence in both of these texts? For sure, yeah. Well, I saw persistence as when, like, Sean, bless her little socks, <laughs> like, putting up all the flyers everywhere and she's so determined that she puts all these staples in and people still rip them out, but, like, just the outline of the posters there held by the staples and she's she just keeps going and you know I think that the movie is really showing us that that's what it takes in a way that you know there are hurdles and what makes the story incredible is that people keep going despite them and they fight on and that's what's so important about activism I think and you know Malala had a massive hurdle like she I know we're going to keep coming back to the central idea. She had lots of other hurdles. You know, she was raised in a culture that, you know, while she was incredibly lucky that her father really valued women's education, she was raised in a culture where they cried when girls were born and celebrated when boys were. And that is difficult and that's a hurdle. And somehow she still managed to ignite change in that environment and despite her obstacles. And that's something that we have to talk about too. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I guess in pride, sort of that idea of persistence and coming back and, you know, never giving up, it's represented in such a clear visual way, like that, you know, the posters are such a symbol, um, almost a motif um, you could really use. (laughs) Um, Whereas in Malala, the barriers are a bit more cultural, a little bit more subtle, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And we've got some quotes. After six months, the nerve would start working, even though it would never completely be the same, which links back into what we were just talking about before this, about um, her sacrifice and sacrifices in general being quite ongoing. And if you are going to achieve a goal, there will be hurdles, but you must continue, which is just really captures the idea of persistence really well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. community the part we love about pride and the whole actually i think it's in it's i think it's more prominent in pride but you see the malala too global community what do you what's your take on how did it community become important in activism and why do we see it as so linked now um yeah so i think in malala what really you know comes out uh in the end is that power of sort of a global community rallying around Malala to save her and to help achieve those goals. So, you know, when she's shot in the head, both, you know, all the US and the UK and the Saudi Arabian governments, they all contribute to, you know, trying to save her. Um, and that sort of happens to an extent even before that happened. She had, you know, global media outlets contacting her and helping her to diffuse her message all over the world. And we really, you know, see how her actions inspired a movement outside of her immediate, you know, geographic community to campaign for girls' education more globally. Um, And that's something that we still see today. Like, I don't know if you follow, like, the Malala Fund. Yes. um, You know, and her charity and the work that she's continued doing is really global. 
Um, so I think that sort of goes to show that we can build communities and connections around values and ideas and ambitions. Um, you know, communities don't necessarily have to be a consequence of our identity or where we come from or where we live. Um, but, you know, if we all believe in the same things, we can, you know, affect change and really connect over those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and, and just to digress, I was just sort of admiring Malala as I was listening. <laughs> and I think it's amazing to see in our own generation kind of the these people who are going to be, you know, remembered in history for doing incredible things like, you know, Greta and um, Malala. Malala. <laughs> and, um, you know, we keep seeing it sort of arise and people from, you know, who are young. And I just find it so inspiring that, you know, we're alive as such incredible things happen, um, even though they come out of sort of devastating need for change. But it's, you know, we've got people who really act, which is just so cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so pride focuses in on a much smaller community but in a way it's it's almost a comment on that this could happen everywhere that look if we can if we can transform these you know old-fashioned thinkers you know welsh miners in a tiny little welsh town then maybe this is something that we could see everywhere that people could be more open-minded that people could connect with others that are different from them and love it and it would yeah, so I think it's it's definitely a trans a similar message translated differently. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's so many instances of you know the miners really changing their attitudes um, towards the gays and lesbians just because they have things in common, and you know it comes out of I don't know like a sign of love almost. You yeah. know, like the you know Gwen in. Uh, in Pride, she's like, oh, you girls have opened my eyes. Or at the very end at the march and the old lady, what's her name? She's like, oh, there's my lesbians. I made you cucumber sandwiches with margarine instead of butter because you're vegan. Like, <laughs> um, And the bus is a bit of a symbol of it as well. Yeah. That, you know, the people in the community are driving around really openly. There's a bus that says gay and lesbian um, for the minors and... LGSM, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so being proud of your identity um, as, you know, lesbian or gay or in Malala's sort of case of religion and her you know, belief in Islam, yet not necessarily agreeing with everything in those groups, um, is also kind of a, a thing that sometimes in your own community you're not entirely um, wholly agreeing with things like you know there's that controversy in pride that oh we don't want you guys to march at the front you guys are going to the back and that's almost that they're not as proud of LGSM as they should be or um in Malala's case you know members of her religion in a really high up way were against her main cause and you know the Taliban are sort of a, an extremist sect of that same community in a way although it's totally different, totally, like, you know, crazy version, but they're claiming the same religion in a way. So Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just goes to show that just because you belong to a community and you're proud of belonging to that community doesn't mean that you're necessarily proud of everything that that community does mm. or that, you know, every like you're completely accepted by it. 
Like, yeah. I don't know, a lot of the time, especially Malala, you know, she talks about being Pashtun and being really proud of being Pashtun and being Pakistani, but then also going on to critique some of the values that they might have or, you know, saying, you know, I'm very proud of my culture, but the fact that we take revenge and all those sorts of things way too seriously is so detrimental to us. Like, yeah, yeah, like and identity she, is complicated. <laughs> agreed. But she literally, she her whole, like the context or the beginning of her story sort of juxtaposes herself and Malalai who leads worries into battle and sacrifice is shot and sacrifices herself. She shot or just killed in battle and um yeah and she she's using the um the significant proverbs and significant um traditions of her culture to sort of to what's the word kind of um transition into a more modern interpretation of what that looks like. And I think that's sort of can highlight that she, even though she agrees with that kind of traditional um, Pakistani Pashtun life religion, she's taking it to and applying it to a different context, which is, which is really lovely and gorgeous. And um, that's something that maybe other members of that community don't agree with, but she's still validating her choices with the history of that community. Yeah. Ace. Yeah, she's sort of reconciling, you know, like being proud of your traditions doesn't necessarily have to mean that you reject anything from outside those traditions. And then also within community, sort of there's, I noticed in the movie in terms of outward signs of resistance, there's outward signs of belonging to a community, like the earring thing. Do you remember? Um, oh, um, Mark always wears like one earring. Yeah, but lots yeah. of lots of the members of LGSM, there's sort of like an earring in, I'm not sure which ear it's supposed to be. I think it depends on which country you're from. But if you have one earring in a particular ear, then it's a sign that you're gay. Oh. For guys. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, they have to rely on other things. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but saying that, Steph presents in that very typically lesbian way. Mm. So is that bad to say, but like, no, the, like she fulfills all the stereotypes that you would stereotypes, the flannel, the pixie cut, the yeah. bold eyeliner, um, mm. which she rocks it, but like <laughs> definitely being very, um, being very outward in her, in her expression of what she's, what, of her sexuality. Um, yeah. 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 So I don't know. I think you'd have to watch the movie again and see about the earring thing. But I think for some characters, it's definitely true. Um, Jonathan is another character that comes to mind in being flamboyant. He's costume. He's, um, yeah. The dancing. (laughs) Oh, the dancing. He's so cool. So cool. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. Like that is the sort of micro signs of resistance. Sort of showing that you don't have to be standing up on a barricade shaking a bucket and making speeches in order to affect change. You can just do it in really subtle ways by being proud of yourself. And, I think and we the badges. S- and the badges, yes, I know. Like Joe at the beginning, like he literally says at his first Pride March, I don't want to be too visible. Mm-hmm. And then, and I think that's, that's such a, like a heartbreaking mm. quote because, you know, he feels the need to minimise himself and minimise his identity and his sexuality 
um, you know, as well as escape prosecution. And then by the end, he's literally wearing a pin that says, I'm gay. I know. Uh, he's showing it to the whole world. And I think yes. that's just such a beautiful evolution that we see. Malala as well. How can you, like, because tr- she, on the bus, she's not wearing a head covering or... I think she was wearing... Head. Yeah, she wasn't covering her face, yeah. which was what everyone was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. I think, like, that is definitely an outward side of resistance. Um, but it really goes to show how dangerous that can be because that was what marked her as Malala and that's what resulted in her being shot in the head, basically. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, there is a quote from Chapter 10 where she sort of justifies her decision um, for dressing differently. Um, And she says, We felt like the Taliban swore us as little dolls to control, telling us what to do and how to dress. I thought if God wanted us to be like that, he wouldn't have made us all different. That's a good quote. She's, I'm going to say it again. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) So I think for Malala as well, it's, she's so connected to the Swat Valley and Pakistan. And she has this importance of setting and homeland that I think is conveyed in both texts. So what's your kind of take? What, what does, yeah, what does setting have to do with it? Um, I think, yeah, I think in both texts, it's incredibly important. Um, but especially in I Am Malala, like she puts so much emphasis on, you know, how much she loves the Swat Valley and her home and how beautiful she thinks it is and how much she wants to protect it and keep it, you know, clean and peaceful. Um, and, you know, She says, you know, so I was born a proud daughter of Pakistan, though like all Swatis, I thought of myself first as Swati and then Pashtun before Pakistani. So her connection to her homeland is so, so strong. Um, and the descriptions of it as well are really incredible because she yeah. sort of paints this picture of what was a lush valley and then the destruction of her homeland becomes something that we're devastated about as well. That, you know, I sort of hear these descriptions and I'm like, wow, that would be amazing. Like, I wish. I wish I could go there. And then she sort of says, but, you know, it looks totally different. And it's, it's, you know, it was a source, a place of real devastation. And that's, um, yeah, I think that elevates and it almost exacerbates that feeling of, um, yeah, of sadness about it, of um, be feeling hurt personally. And you can almost imagine that she would, in that context, be so distraught that that's happened yeah. to her homeland um, uh, and yeah. i think it's like a little point of comparison between the two texts is how somewhere that you find comforting you know something that you call home can actually be transformed into a place of danger and a place that's quite threatening so yeah, yeah like malala literally leaves pakistan because she's threatened there um and you know the threat of the taliban is there all the way through the book Her school is closed. You know, she becomes an IDP for a while. She isn't welcomed there by the authorities. Um, And I think we sort of see that in Pride a little as well. Just back in Malala. So there's this page. um, It's in the first first batch of photos. Um, She's standing there as almost a toddler, as a young child, with her brother enjoying a waterfall. There's school picnics. Um, and sort of prayers at her school. Mm. And then on the next page, 
um, she goes to Taliban publicly whipping people. And it's, it's almost a visual representation that you go from this place that is so peaceful and, and gorgeous. And then it's almost been, you know, ruined really quickly. In, that. in Pride, we also see that, but to a slightly lesser extent. Um, like the, the, we have lots of beautiful shots of the Welsh landscape and the green fields and the mountains and it's beautiful. Um, but then you also have, you know, characters like Gethin who leaves Wales because he isn't accepted by his family. Um, and he doesn't feel safe there because the community values are so conservative that his, you know, his sexuality is a threat and his homeland is a threat to him. Um, which I think is just so, so sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, Malala, he returns home in the end, but it's really sad that Malala doesn't and that the issues are ongoing. And, um, in a way that comments, her not returning home comments on it being that the issues continue and for, um, pride, the issues continue as well, but that doesn't translate into not being able to return home. Yeah. Um, which I think we could definitely find a larger message about, like returning home and the significance of being united with with people that eventually accept you. I don't know. I yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sort of like a small victory that if Gethin is able to be accepted at his home, it shows that things are changing mm. um, and it's sort of safer there for him and it's an indicator of broader societal change a bit more, whereas... Mm you know, Malala is still not able to return home because the the things that she fears there haven't been defeated, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe that, like, familiar love can overcome prejudice and so can community, but mm. potentially political conflict can't be overcome in that same way. Yeah. That's a paragraph, right? That's a paragraph right there. Chuck that in your essay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long, long podcast to listen to for that one. <laughs> Speaking of getting wisdom, um, just to slide right in, why don't we go back to that idea of sort of coming of age? Hardcore Pride reminded me of Dairy Girl. Yes. Oh my god, I love that show. Um, have you watched it, Hannah? Did you get? Yes, to- I have. Okay. So no. good. Actually, and they have an episode where one of the Derry girls reveals that she's a lesbian, and it's like, true. Watch that. That if you're gonna only watch one, watch that one because it's okay. so cute. Um, and it's like that coming of age through political turmoil. That things are happening in the background, but you are still finding your own identity, finding your feet, and sort of entering an adult world, but in that teenage way where you aren't sure of yourself, which is something that both texts I think explore. Malala, I don't know if it would be right to say that she's not sure of herself, but I think it would be right to say that she's experiencing those normal teenage experiences, activities, um, like, you know, being in a play or um, spending time with her family. But she does it in a context where there's real political hardship or there's conflict. And we see the same with Joe. Definitely. I know, like, it's, it's pretty incredible with Malala. Like, in one page, he contrasts performing in a play at school and making a speech to honour people killed in the Hajibaba suicide attack. Like, I know. I know. Like, all, all in a day's work for Malala Yousafzai. It is. Like, <laughs> this, she's amazing. She was going from school, 
learning exams. She talks about exams, how good she was at school. And then she's like, oh yeah. And then I just spoke at all these rallies and stuff. And it's like, queen. Jesus. And also like the fact that on the day that she left the Swat Valley as an internally displaced person, she had a fight with her best friend. And it sort of goes to show like, yes, you have these massive political, you know, things blowing up around you um but then at the same time you can still have your small personal issues and they're just as important yeah you know as, and I think, oh sorry yeah. no I was just gonna you know being 12 years old and getting into a feud with your best friend like that happens to everyone exactly it's just part of growing up and I think Warchus Warcus how we saying that Marcus our friend yeah um I think he does a really good job of highlighting that through his directing that there's just there's just as much attention paid to um, Joe, you know, his family, his home, how he hides things in his you know childhood book, which is kind of interesting as a as a symbol, him hiding things in that yeah. little. Book. What do you make of it? What do you think? I, yeah, I never even thought about that, but it's so true. It, to me, it almost seems like he's showing that his sexuality and his identity, that part of himself, has always been a part of himself and it's something that's contained within something that symbolizes his childhood like he's sort of reconciling the fact that this is the person that he's always been ever since he was reading you know 10 stories for children or whatever it was and also that it's um something that hiding it is a childhood thing and once it once he becomes an adult perhaps that connection to childhood won't be there so much yeah yeah so true like he only truly comes of age and becomes an adult once that part of his identity is out yes you know literally literally once he comes out um (laughs) that's when he can finally come into himself and sort of grow as a full human being yeah yeah oh also just want to draw attention i mean you probably noticed the fact that joe turns 21 on the date of the second pride march yeah, like that. You know, he's no longer too young for it. He's legal, but he also has the confidence to truly be proud. And yes, I love that so much. And there's that little comment that he's no longer got a problem about holding the flags anymore. Yes, yes. And I love how the Pride March gets so massive. Like even before the miners rock up, it's um, it's so different. And it, I think it's really poignant that not poignant. Look at me go. Um, <laughs> there's a real shift in almost like the filter or the look of the movie from start to end and you can see it when you contrast the two pride marches that it starts grayish it almost just seems like an overcast day um and then it becomes really bright it's sunshiny and it's like colorful and you have this shift and i think that's a really nuanced or like a like a overt not overt the opposite of overt what's the opposite of overt Subtle? Subtle. A subtle way. (laughs) I always want to say covert, but that just sounds a bit ominous. Mm, (laughs) So a more subtle way of saying that this social shift has been really positive. Yeah. Yeah. So some motifs and music. Yes. We love it. I wrote this down in my little notes on um, whilst I was watching the movie, that whilst Sean is getting that guy... um, can't remember his name, out of prison because he was being unfairly, uh, he was unfairly accused and was held illegally, essentially. Um, she's speaking up against the government, which is really difficult. 
she also is exercising resistance for the majority, um, but it's still difficult. And she's literally yelling over the music and her voice is muffled and you can't particularly hear her, but you still kind of can. Um, and the music and the sound is really intense at that moment. And I think that maybe that's a comment that, you know, even in this movie that isn't about the female experience, it's still difficult to be a woman speaking up, or maybe it's just saying that it's difficult to speak up in general. Um, but I think those kind of comments are there too. And you could connect that with Malala, um, who focuses that on that in a much bigger way, but um, it's sort of there in Pride. Yeah, definitely. And I think we also see that um, in terms of, you know, the lesbians wanting to create the women's focus group within LGSM and always being shouted down by the men. Um, yeah. I guess sort of just goes to show that women's voices are often not given the the platform that they're due. Um, and obviously, you know, Malala experienced that to a much greater, more visceral extent, but it's definitely a point of comparison that you can make between the two texts. Yeah. yeah. Love, 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 love. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I think, well, I think this was your idea, Ella, but um, the use of song and like the, the song, There is Power in a Union. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. I just got to remember. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a banger. What a banger. Seriously, good. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think the repetition of that song throughout uh, the, as sort of a musical motif, is slightly comparable to the use of like Pashtun proverbs and Quran verses in Malala. Sort of that interweaving of old historical cultural roots and modern activism that can sort of coexist. Totally. And I think it's interesting as well that that song is an absolute anthem. Like it is really proud, sort of embodies the whole thing, but it's a song from sort of Welsh miners context. So you can definitely compare that to kind of the contrasting, um, taking old traditions, taking something that is um, a part of a community that you potentially don't even feel 100% accepted by and making it and taking it into a modern context. Okay, also symbols in pride. The handshake and the slag is there at the end with the handshake on it. The yes. So good. A little, bit of, a little bit of attention to detail from Marcus there. Excellent work. Um, the birthday bin that we talked about. Yeah. Um, and the bus. Yes. Is that it? Have we gone through everything? I think so, yeah. I think the bus is so important because it's like it was the, one of the biggest issues that the miners came across in the beginning. And then it's also like one of the main things that the miners were able to help them with. And then when the miners turn up at the end, they're all coming in buses as well. So it's like LGSM used the bus to help the miners. And then in the end, the miners used the bus to help LGSM. Oh, true. So true, like, true, it kind of goes both ways. I don't know. Yeah. It's a vehicle of support. Exactly. A literal vehicle of support. A literal vehicle. How good. <laughs> I've got to stop using how good because ScoMo's really like taken it and now it feels mm. like I'm always saying something political. But I, know. But I feel like we use it ironically. We do, we do. And I had it first, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I used how good before ScoMo made it uncool. 
Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know what, like, apparently Rad is coming back in, but oh, it I doesn't Rad all right. the time. Yeah, well, you, you have, like, bridged the time gap. <laughs> Maybe I'm <laughs> just an like, old soul. It's going to come back, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah, that's like wearing leg warmers between the 80s and now. Um, mm. but, but still cool. <laughs> very, very cool. Speaking of other things that are cool, Malala symbols. Um, we've got some pens and paper in terms of symbols with education. Um, and then also the bus. What do, you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess the school bus is quite important because it just allows her to access education safely and it allows other girls to access education. So, I don't know. It's not as big a thing as in Pride, but it's yeah. definitely also a vehicle of support in there what's your take on there um is that like what she wears or like the malalai veil yeah i think it has a lot of different meanings so from one perspective it is like an outward symbol of her religion and she always appears in public wearing a headscarf um and i think that's an important part of her identity but then at the same time you know enforcing wearing the veil and enforcing wearing the burqa was one of the most oppressive things that the Taliban did um, while they were occupying the Swat Valley. Um, So it's also a symbol of oppression. It's sort of like the veil is something that you have to choose for yourself and it can be both empowering and disempowering depending on whether you've chosen it or not. And I think it's also interesting that I think she talks about it. I don't know if it's in the book or watched an interview, but she wears pink to when she talks to the UN, which is, which is, I think she's, she looks gorgeous and everything, but mm. she does it when normally someone's going to wear it like a power suit. And she's like, no, it's my birthday and I'd like to wear pink. pink. And I think that really plays into the coming of age stuff that, and pride in her, pride in herself. And yeah, I think highlighting that you know she's still a teenager that is is wearing these youthful colors and even though it's real life i think you can still analyze it in terms of what she wanted to convey that she's youthful and fighting for a new future um which is awesome yeah and like you know she is representing children like that is her cause is allowing girls and children to go to school so it kind of makes sense that she is representing them by showing her youth in that outward way. Like it would look a little bit weird if there were like, you know, this older lady in a power suit speaking out for the children of the world. I think it's so much more powerful when you have a child speaking for the children of the world. It's like, it's a little bit like Greta. Yes. Her braids. Great minds. Yeah. Yeah. And just that her, you know, she's presents as a child, but is, has the demeanor and attitude and the, I don't know, the... the Badassery. Badassery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If only, maybe her book is going to be on the next study design. That's how that it would be cool. It's so cool. <laughs> um, and then we also have talked about Malalai in being her namesake, which immediately connects her, her Malalai to Malala. Um, also that idea of empowering female and women to fight, um, even if it takes self-sacrifice. Um, and the idea of garnering support of others and doing something powerful that ignites change through mass movement. 
Awesome. So next up, we have the amazing Belle with us, who is current year 12 student. She also runs um, an Instagram account for VCU Resources and helps out the rest of the class of 2020 with a pretty difficult year. Um, so hi, Belle. Thanks for coming on. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, great to have you on. Um, so you're studying Pride and Malala. What do you love about these texts? Um, there's so much, I think they're really, when you're comparing them, there's really a lot to compare. And I think the stories that they tell are really important, you know, everyone to kind of get a better understanding of the world and kind of, um, explore different, um, kind of experiences and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, nice. Do you have a favorite? Um, I think Malala is probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I get you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, what sort of main idea or theme do you think is at the crux of this comparison? Um, I think belonging is really important um, to both of these texts. Yeah, yeah that sort of sense of community. Yeah, definitely yeah. agreed. Um, so what's your kind of hard-earned advice for anyone doing VCE or studying this text? What do you find most useful? Um, I think definitely, especially for English quote banks are so important um, and flashcards and everything um, and just reading the texts multiple times and get as much understanding as you can. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. Um, and would you say that there were any um, sort of strategies specific to this comparison that you found particularly helpful? Um, um, I think kind of just getting obviously familiar with the texts and then kind of going through and looking at um, similarities between them and also within the texts. Like I know within Pride, there are quite a few similarities be between um, the different groups in it. So, yeah. Yeah. So looking not just at the comparison as a whole, but sort of zoning in and really trying to look at the nuances. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, between characters and all that kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, and so you're clearly very active out there on the big wide internet. Um, where can we find you if we want more of your amazing content? Um, so if you want more uh, from me, um, edutrix on Instagram, so edu.trix, um, and also our website, which is www.edutrix.co. Um, and we have some resources for Malala and Pride up there as well. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming on today. It's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Um, and good luck with everything for, for the upcoming exams. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to be on. Uh, so whether you are fighting for women's rights, girls' education, uh, LGBTQI plus rights, or the rights of the union and minors, uh, we hope that you have found these two texts as inspiring and incredible as we did. Um, I can safely say that this was one of our favourite comparisons to study. Um, I definitely cried at multiple points while reading slash watching these texts. Uh, so hopefully you get that much joy from them too. Um, For sure. Yeah. Yes, and if you are interested in some behind the scenes, some updates on our next text we'll be talking about, um, then follow us on Instagram at so little time .podcast. Um Otherwise, thanks for listening, guys, and happy reading. <laughs>